Well, hi everybody, and welcome to Rob Evans 365. This is day number 589, and good morning. It's Sunday morning early, and happy Australia Day for those that live in Australia. Uh, this is our, our day of celebration, and some people see it as a day of celebration, and some people see it as a, a day of being forgotten, and that's to do with the, the indigenous culture here, and the way that we became colonised and the brutality and everything that was associated with that. I guess it's a, it's a tricky topic of conversation depending on where you've come from. And the purpose of this podcast is not to really talk about it in, in too much detail apart from the fact that I appreciate both sides. And um, we can't change... Uh, what happened in the past and I think for those people that are here the way that like I came here um, through my heritage and people coming out to Australia and, and so forth uh, there has to be a way to appreciate celebration on both sides because I'm obviously grateful that I'm here and we live in um, you know the most livable city in the world and I had no say in it it's just something that happened to me. By the same token, those that lost their lives and the brutality of the past to, um, you know, the indigenous culture here, uh, there's nothing right about that either. Uh, and uh, families that used to have their babies taken away because they thought they couldn't manage their babies and stuff. I mean, they call that the stolen generation. And that's not right either. Um, so, I guess we need to find a way to uh, come to terms on both sides so that both can, both can celebrate uh, in, their, in their own way. Uh, it's one of those things, I mean, that we have some really nice Australia Day events here uh, in the city. That, who I used to work for, RACV, they put on a big Australia Day picnic in the city uh, now. Uh, but I heard something on the... Uh, the news uh, in the last week talking about how they're worried about escalating violence on Australia Day, which makes you think, why would you even bother going into something like that, which is the attitude that I've taken. And I said, like, oh, well, I could take the kids in there. Beautiful morning out. It's going to be a gorgeous day. Uh, but at the risk of there being something going on, I'm not going to. Um, so we'll, we'll uh, have a nice, nice time in our own way. Hey, so... I've got an interesting topic to talk about today, and uh, obviously you can probably tell I'm in the, in the gym warming up, and actually it's just flashing, this isn't the topic, but I just see it flashing up on the TV and the gym screens about this coronavirus. Um, there's, oh wow, okay, I didn't know that. Um, so this coronavirus, uh, which is deadly, and I think I heard last night there's something like 26 people that have been killed worldwide from it. There's now a 50-year-old man in Australia, the first diagnosed case of the coronavirus, and guess where he is? He's in the uh, Monash Hospital, which is uh, about 40 minutes' drive from where I am, which means what? It means it's in the area, in my direct area. Uh, so, yeah, here we go. So an infected man arrived on a flight 
around 9am on January the 19th, so wow. Uh, but what's that, six days ago, seven days ago now. Uh, who knows how these things uh, manifest themselves. It's come from China and they're worried about, uh, um, we get something like 30,000 passengers a week that come from uh, China. And that's one of the provinces there where they picked this virus up from. And uh, yeah, it's, it's particularly bad, obviously. So I think they're developing um, immunizations and so forth for it. Once you've got it, I don't know what happens, but obviously the elderly uh, are probably more susceptible. Um, so nasty, nasty stuff. These things just come up from time to time, don't they? Let's hope they can get a handle on it pretty quickly. So actually, the topic of today, what I wanted to talk about, was about lab meat. That's right, meat that's grown in a um, laboratory. And just how you feel about that. Because, well, I guess there's, let's talk about a, a few of the different angles on it. So conceptually, uh, it sounds weird. It doesn't sound great, the fact that you're uh, you know, building cells and so forth in a laboratory and that's where your steak is coming from or your chicken or your pork or lamb or whatever it is and it's, um, it's all fake, it's all, it's all manufactured out of a laboratory so who knows what additives and so forth are going in it. I spoke about this oh, months ago now about genetically modified foods, you'll find the You'll find the podcast in there if you search uh, search uh, something like genetically modified food in the heading. And I remember when that first came out and there was a huge uproar as to what it was going to mean. And now no one talks about it. I was no one talk about it now because it's so integrated into our food that it almost seems like nobody's even noticed. No one's having the discussion now. Uh, the the laws on what you need to do to uh, disclose it on packaging and um, ingredients lists and so forth is so flexible that you could easily miss it. But let's face it, with every single product that you pick up off the shelf, do you go through the ingredients list, uh, you know, exact ingredient by ingredient and read every word on the label? And I think the answer would be no. Now, some people, I have clients that, that check all the ingredients on lists because they have uh, particular conditions and so forth, and they have to make sure that there's certain additives that aren't in there. But for the general population, they don't. They just aren't checking that out. So um, the, the laws are so flexible that you can say genetically modified, I don't know, baked beans, genetically modified milk, genetically modified this or that but they don't have to, so guess what? None of them will, because it's like, man, that's gonna scare people off buying our product and us making money. Uh, so there's just somewhere on the label, somewhere where it, it may disclose that there's some genetically modified ingredients in there. So what does that really mean? Well, the way they modify foods, now I'm not an expert on this, but just picking up over time as to how they they modify these things. Uh, if you take vegetables, for instance, so they genetically modify vegetables so that they might have 
uh, a particular brightness in colour so that they are more pest tolerant or resistant so that they maybe have more flavour maybe that they all grow the same size because that makes it easier for the farmers and and all that kind of stuff so if you think about uh, where all this stuff is coming from it's really coming from the uh, the manufacturers the farmers and the shop like the, the big supermarket chains that are dictating that this is what customers want so therefore this is what we need and uh, through that process uh, we really don't know what we're getting at the end of the day so we uh, like a carrot today is not a carrot 30 years ago I've said that many times before for a couple of reasons one uh, the nutrient value in soil now because we're we're using it so much and uh, who knows what they're putting back into the soil or not putting back into the soil uh, to allow regeneration of you know the next year's crops and so forth uh, we we just don't know what's what's in it and when it, you've heard me talk about the nutrient value that's missing from our foods these days well, one because of the soil but one uh, just the, the genetically modified nature of uh, the seeds and so forth uh, means that we're uh, in a lot of cases it seems like we're eating watery yellow carrots orange carrots uh, as opposed to flavoursome, nutrient-rich, nutrient-dense food. Uh, so this, we've really got no idea. We just have no idea what's going in there. And if you think about uh, it a bit deeper and think, okay, so let's say that they are putting fertiliser in there. Where's that fertiliser coming from? Okay, maybe some of it's coming from animals. Let's say, I don't know, chickens, for instance, that they're using chicken poo and they're turning that into fertiliser. What are the chickens eating? The chickens could be eating, even though there's laws against it, I know that there's still people out there that uh, give the chickens hormones and, uh, you know, if they're caged birds, then they're given all this uh, manufactured pellets and hormones to make them produce eggs more and to produce, uh, you know, whether it's bigger eggs or yellower eggs or, um, you know, if it's making the chickens grow faster and that kind of stuff so there's all that fake stuff that's in the stuff that they're eating you take their fake chicken poo if you like and then you're turning that into uh, fertilizer which is then putting back into the ground which can then come up through the vegetables so uh, there is there's certainly these uh, long-term uh, impacts that can be had from from this now whether you're vegan or vegetarian it really doesn't uh, a vegan vegetarian or you're uh, you know, you're eating meat, it really doesn't matter because if the vegetables that you're eating are using, uh, and they might say, well, they're using natural fertilizers and stuff, but where's that fertilizer really come from? Has it come from, uh, uh, like I just said, those chicken plants that have used uh, additives and so forth in feeding those chicken, therefore what goes through the chicken, there has to be some residue off there. So yeah, you really don't know. And then this is one of the things that I really love about the Isogenics company is they have very strict manufacturing processes where they are ensuring that every single batch of ingredients that they get in for uh, their foods 
uh, individually tested. And if there is something in the batches that they don't like, then they reject it. And, and guess what? Other supplement companies pick those up and use those. It's kind of a, a little bit like the, you know, the fish that John West reject, mate. John West the best. Uh, it's, it's that kind of principle. Uh, because you, you just don't know what is going in things. So then that comes to, so that's just your plant-based food, right? So then when it comes to your meat, um, so as I just said, like with the chickens, uh, some of the chickens, you hear are fed hormones so they can produce chicken breasts faster and chicken meat faster for, for butchers and for the consumers so they can keep up with demand and uh, who knows what they're, they're fed. The only meat that we have currently in Australia that is completely, uh, if you like, um, right, and it's not farmed, is kangaroo. And I know it sounds weird to be eating our national emblem, the kangaroo. Um, I have had it before. It is one of the leanest meats that you can get. And also one of the healthiest because it's, um, uh, you know, they're culled uh, because of overpopulation in areas and so forth. But they're, they're just eating what's available in nature. They're not farmed. So what that means is that there's less additives in them, so it's a more pure, or like a true organic meat. Now, even if you've got your, you know, like your grass-fed animals and so forth, I mean, there's a process within all of this that means that there's potentially uh, additives that go through those animals that then end up in you, and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, I guess it's the closest to what we have at the moment in terms of availability of meat. So then, if you think about, okay, so what are they going to do to help fix that issue? And they're talking about growing meat in laboratories. And uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, to keep up with demand. And two, to have less of a, an impact on our climate because the amount of land that is taken up to farm uh, animals for meat is massive. It's massive. You could feed so many more people if you took the cattle off there and you grew vegetables. Um, there would be so, so much more availability. Uh, but um, that world demands that uh, we want to eat meat. So what they're looking at is, is finding a way to I do it on a commercial basis that's safe and sustainable and has less uh, impact on our, our climate and uh, global warming and all that kind of stuff so they're developing it in labs. So the question is how do you feel about that? Because if you've got uh, you know your vegetables and stuff growing the way that they are and um, you know we're not really knowing what what we're eating really we're relying on I guess the Therapeutic Goods Administration here in Australia, the TGA, uh, to have appropriate tests in place to make sure that uh, <clears throat> what we are eating does have nutrients in it and not harmful things. Um, and who knows what would happen with this lab meat? Uh, there'd have to be a lot of controls, wouldn't there? Because then you can just imagine these people getting an understanding as to how you do this, and then you've got people out on the sides here 
making some black market lab meat and who knows what it is that you're eating. And people getting sick and um, things going wrong in a test tube or whatever to generate these cells to create the meat. Um, it's, it raises a lot of questions, but I, I read an article uh, just two days ago about it and it, it just made me think about it's the, the same kind of discussion that they had around um, genetically modified food. And uh, gee, I don't even know when that, when I first saw that discussion, but I know it's easily 20 years ago, I would say. And now look at it, it's, it's so kind of mainstream that people don't even notice. And like you see breakfast cereals where they've, you know, like extra protein or extra calcium and vitamin D and all that kind of stuff. So you've got these, these food manufacturers that are just willy-nilly adding these vitamins to it. So where are they getting those vitamins? Well, they're, they're uh, manufactured uh, chemicals, basically, that they're putting into uh, food. Now, what sort of testing goes on there? I mean, you know that these breakfast cereal companies are normally also like confectionery makers and stuff, and they don't have pharmaceutical grade manufacturing techniques in these plants to know what's actually going in there. Maybe it says that it's got 5%, let's say, 5% more iron. How do you know that it's not zero or 20? Uh, you just, the answer is you don't. You're trusting the label uh, to do that. And I guess the occasional audit from someone to make sure that they're complying with what's, um, you know, what's in there. Again, this is what I love about the supplements that I take uh, from Isogenics, which are sports approved ones. And you know that what's in the bottle is on the label, or the other way around, what's on the label is in the bottle. Uh, because many supplement companies aren't, aren't doing that. Most aren't. So they just don't know what you're getting. Um, so I was reading this article and it sounds to me, it sounds, ugh, what are we doing growing, growing meat in, uh, you know, in a lab? And then I kept reading and this article was on the basis that they've just received, I think it's another 100, it's either 147 or 161 million dollars worth of funding so that they can keep uh, you know, going to the next stage to do, continue to develop and build a plant where they can create um, these products, etc, etc. And uh, you're thinking, wow, it's obviously not going to stop. They're going to keep pushing until they you know, get this solution. I mean, you look at uh, things like your vegan uh, meat alternatives that they have at the moment. They've got sausages that look like sausages. Um, you see the big chain here, Hungry Jack's. They've introduced a, a vegan Whopper burger, which on the ad, they say you can't tell the difference between whether it's uh, you know, a meat Whopper or a, a vegan one, which kind of makes you think what's in both um, to make them taste the same. But anyway, that's the way that that's going. And uh, like veganism is gonna really take off uh, or continue to take off, so just the worldwide demand for that. And so I can see that this is going to keep continuing. Then I looked at who are the investors. And there's two major investors in this new lab meet. And one is Bill Gates and one is Richard Branson. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Now, both very clever guys. Um, and Bill Gates is your, your real 
uh, forward-thinking individual that um, he wouldn't be investing his money lightly into something like this if he didn't uh, you know, understand the science behind it and understand what's involved to you know, have a positive impact on our client. And Richard Branson, uh, similar in terms of how he thinks about our future and um, innovation. So that made me think, hmm, maybe there's more to this that I just don't understand. Maybe there's, uh, you know, such a great benefit to this that it's the only way forward for our future. They expect, I think I read by 20, hmm, don't quote me, but I think it might have been 2050 that our consumption for uh, meat products will double to what it is now. And they won't have any way of being able to keep up with the demand unless they do something like this. So if you take another step to the side and you can see, well, okay, so they don't actually kill animals for this. They're using uh, cells from, let's say, healthy animals and they just keep regenerating and regenerating. Uh, I guess time will tell, won't it? Because you want to know um, what are the long-term impacts of this, of it being effectively fake grown meat and uh, what are the nutrients that we are either getting or not getting, um, what, are the, what are those that are coming naturally, what are those are not coming so naturally. Um, but I guess then you could say, well, okay, is it any different from hydroponic uh, food? And I guess the, the first thing that I saw as a kid, when I was a kid, I can remember hydroponic tomatoes were grown. And how are they grown? Well, they're grown by putting chemicals in the water to give them nutrients and so forth so that they will grow. And I, I don't know if you've ever had a hydroponic tomato. It's nothing like a, a homegrown one. It seems to be fairly flavorless. Um, so, I don't know. It's an interesting topic of conversation. How do you feel about it? I would say, conceptually, it doesn't sound nice. But... I think it's not going to stop. We've got to watch this space. And I guess we're so reliant on other people telling us that, Do you know what, it'll be okay. It's okay. But then we're getting to that position where we say, well, we're a bit stuck. You know, like our, our vegetables and everything, if they're, even if they're organic, they can still have chemicals on them. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily know. Well, okay. Let's just say I've seen these... Um, these products where it says that they're organically certified. Now that's, and you might see that and say, oh wow, that's great. Now that's a kind of a bit like the heart health stamp that we have here. And over time, you see that the, the one that gets the, the heart foundation tick can sometimes be somebody that's just paid for it. And I don't know what all the protocols are for it to be organically certified. And all that, cha all that takes is a change somewhere that Maybe the public don't even know about it, but it just happens to the product. And we just keep on saying, okay, yeah, well, it's organically certified. But how do we know it's safe or it has all the nutrient value that we believe that it's going to have in it? It's a tricky one. It's really tricky. So I think we're going to watch this space. It's not going to stop. It's going to keep going. And uh, we've just got to see what the long-term impacts are. Uh, it won't be something that just comes out just like that. Um, but I do think the vegan products are like that too. How do, we, how do we know what's going in those? And that they're 
uh, you know, got the, the long-term benefits for us as well. The perception can sometimes be very different to the reality. Um, so I thought it's an interesting, interesting topic and it really got me thinking today. So um, have a think about what your views are on this. Maybe post some comments to me. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm going to go do a shoulder and back workout. Have a great Australia day, even if you're not in Australia. And I'll see you tomorrow.